5: In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Thanks for listening to the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. It's sunny outside, summer's here, so too are the NBA Finals. I know you're like, Toronto, kind of hard to get behind Toronto, but maybe they can beat the Warriors. You're either love Steph or you hate the Warriors, right? That's that's kind of, kind of where, where we are. Um, you know, it's interesting. I've been on this fight, I've been on this... Um, Uh, I been I've been taking the stand against what I think is a, I, I like the word, use the word silly, silly makes people less defensive than stupid, right? Nobody wants to be called stupid. You go like silly, silly is what you, it's a word you use with kids, but I have friends that'll say silly. I also have friends that say rad. Now, have you noticed that rads come back in? Maybe it's just where I live in orange County, California, a word that we that people used to use when I grew up, and they're like, yeah, that was really rad. Did you just say rad? I did. I don't know if I'm super comfortable with it or not comfortable at all with it. Just moving on. Anyway, I like the word silly. I've been using, it's a silly argument. Because when you say moronic, idiotic, stupid, people get really defensive. I say it's a silly argument. Wait to hear what Draymond Green says is a... Uh, uh, about about the same argument. But um, we'll get to that in a second. The Doug Gottlieb Show is brought to you by Farmers. At Farmers, we've seen almost everything. So we're going to cover almost anything when it's game time. Have an experienced player help you stay ahead of the game. Put their experience into play at Farmers.com. We are Farmers. Bum, 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 bum. Tonight is the NBA Finals. And among the narratives that will be established. And like, look, could I give you a prediction? I could. But I honestly have no idea if and when Kevin Durant will play and if and when Kevin Durant will play, how will he look? Uh, DeMarcus Cousins has been activated, kind of like some Jerry Curls in uh, Coming to America, right? little soul glow. So he's available, but we don't know if he'll play and how he'll look, right? So it's, it's very difficult to determine. If the Warriors were at full strength, I would favor them. I would favor them to win in five games, maybe. But even within the, the, those predictions of games, I don't know how those games will go. Now you factor in, I don't know if Cousins plays. I don't know how he's used. I don't know how healthy he is. I don't know how many minutes he can play. And I don't know about Kevin Durant. Like, that changes things. So instead of giving you these predictions as to what will happen, we've kind of talked about that the last couple of days, I can predict that there is Basically, one of three narratives that will take place. Kawhi Leonard is the best player on earth if he dominates and they win. And then from the Warriors' perspective, either they don't or do need Kevin Durant. Right? That's it. If they win, they don't really need him. He didn't make them better. If they lose, you know what? They really need Kevin Durant. Steph's not that good. Here's what Draymond Green had to say. In regards to playing without Kevin Durant. There's so
7: much noise that comes about like, oh, are they better or worse without Kevin? Like, can we stop the conversation because it's idiotic? Do we play a different brand of basketball when Kevin's not out there? Absolutely. But you'd be idiotic to think that we shouldn't. That's where all the noise comes from. And so it's like, oh, y'all need to keep Kevin a part of it. Well, I disagree with that because Kevin is a part of this. Mm -hmm. uh, He's been a part of this. And everybody else kind of creates the narrative of, like it's us right. and then it's Kevin or it's the Warriors and then it's the Warriors with KD. No, it's still the same team. He,
6: he went on and this is a really thoughtful interview with Rachel Nichols. I have to be more of a scoring threat when Kevin's not out there. I have to really try to push the pace when he's not out here. When Kevin's out there, we have the luxury of just saying, okay, that set didn't work. We still got this guy to just throw it to anyway and get out of the way. The luxury isn't there anymore. I also think with Kevin being out, we're trying to make up 37 points again. We're not going to make those 37 points up just walking the ball up the floor, thinking we have to have the same trust in the same set as if Kevin was on the floor. So how do you make up those points? Get extra possessions. Get the pace where you want. Get some easy buckets. That's how you make it up. This is an extremely high basketball IQ conversation. And if you don't get it, that's okay. I would consider you a civilian. We call it my friends. We call civilians. Don't worry. But I actually I I got called on the carpet a little bit because I I said last week I thought that we hadn't we need to stop the idiocy and it wasn't directed at any one individual person. This isn't a conversation that people in the media have had. It's it. It defies logic because it's not actually true. Uh, No. Is it possible that you're better at times without a star player? Yes. But in the case of Kevin Durant and the Warriors, it's like you you didn't actually watch the success with them. And I understand that you can point out, look at the record without him, would they be better? Of course they wouldn't. The 32 and 1 in a small sample size. Who did they play? And who was who is maybe most importantly, who's Steph Curry's backup? Look, this is not a shot at Quinn Cook. He is living every point guard's dream of making it to the NBA after winning a national championship in college. But dude was a G League player going back to last year. Because of what what he's done to the salary cap. I mean, he being signing Kevin Durant, frankly, Steph Curry's new contract. Their bench is extremely limited where it's not limited is in hybrid forwards. They still have a couple of hybrid forwards that are higher level. And we focus on things. We also don't know who they've played. Well, they beat Portland. Like, dude, they beat, they smacked Portland when Kevin Durant was playing. And you know what they didn't do? Trail by 17 or more points in three consecutive games to end up with three or more wins. Well, you look at everybody's points are up. Of course, because they have more opportunities because there's a guy who scores 30 a night that's not there. And the reason that, do they play differently? Yes. This is you you don't have to move the ball and use slight of hand and try and space the floor. I, would I like to see them do more? Yeah, they actually did that at the end of the season. Like Kevin Durant's numbers weren't great because he didn't play that as many minutes this year <laughs> because he tried to operate within their system more. But Draymond, understanding what his role is and how it changes based upon who he's playing with only shows what a ridiculously high level of basketball IQ he has. And frankly, most guys in the NBA have most do. It's funny. I, I have this conversation with my son. I said, look, when you play on NJB is like wreck basketball. When you play on this NJB team, I want you to be like James Hart. You can't shoot too much. You can't handle the ball too much. Cause you're at a much higher level than everybody else around you. And I'll try and create a mismatch. And then you just go. When you play on our normal travel team, you know, you look to score some, you look to pass some, you do a little bit of everything. And sometimes I don't even play him at point guard. Cause I have another guy who's frankly a little bit more solid at point guard at this age. And then when I play him against uh, older kids, I'm like, look, you just stay out there and survive. Guard your guy. Don't lose the ball. If you're open, shoot it, but just keep the ball moving. And if you're wide open, then you make a play. There's different roles based upon who you're playing with. That's basketball. I tell people all the time, like, don't invite me to play in a pickup game where you expect me to be your best player, but I also don't enjoy being the worst player. Like, I can't go over to UCLA and play with the pros because I'm just not any good. If I'm somewhere between the fifth and the seventh or eighth best player on the court, I'm good. Uh, Even... Eighth or ninth or tenth, I'm okay. Like I just when I'm when I'm a substantial notch below, it's not a not a fun feeling. Not a fun feeling. But you also have to read the court. That's part of sport. What is my role on this team? Do I have to be a vocal leader? So, I I do think there's going to be discussion about, and it's an end all be all. If they get smashed tonight, they're like, man, they need Kevin Durant back. And if they win tonight, I was like, they don't need Kevin Durant. Of course, they're better with a, you know, it's really funny. I think Kevin Durant still listed at six foot nine. And most people believe he's over seven feet tall. But whatever. Um, a seven foot one, two, three, four, who can guard all those positions. Has was the most dominant scorer in the playoffs this year. Is a good passer, is a very good rebounder, and has become a good defender and a good rim protector. If you don't think they're better with Kevin Durant as a two time consecutive finals MVP, I can't really help you. But that's what people are going to talk about based upon the result tonight. It's just easier because there's less there's less thinking involved. We're so sports are really process oriented. And if you think the process was easy against Portland, you didn't watch the same game I watched. It was fun. Like how many points can they spot them before they're going to come back? And here they come. That was fun. But the the process was much more difficult even if the result was four wins and no losses. And Draymond Green said you well you got to be an idiot to think what he said. Idiotic. Let's just let's go with silly. For whatever reason, it puts people less defensive. It's a less terse word. And. uh, It's a little childish. But so, too, is the argument that Kevin Durant, who won two finals MVP, that a team that swept in the NBA finals last year. Were they sweep last year? Yeah, last year they swept, right? Swept last year in the finals. They were 16-1 and one the year before. Somehow is worse off with him than they are without him. But that's going to be based upon, again, not based upon the game, not based on how it's played, on the result of tonight.
4: Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
2: to start listening.
6: And a guy who's uh, managed his team to the World Series both of the past two years is our guest. He's the skipper of the first place LA Dodgers. He's Dave Roberts He joins us on Fox Sports Radio. Skip, how are you?
9: Doug, I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on and uh we had a good one last night, but uh, it's good catching up with you.
6: Yeah, um I'll get to last night in a second. You guys are you guys have been great out of the box this year. Um whereas last year coming off the World Series there was a substantial hangover. Why do you think it's different?
9: Yeah, I don't know. Um, And and I think that coming out of spring training in in both years, I felt good about our our club and and the focus, and it just kind of a tale of two starts. And, um, you know, fortunately, we're putting up more wins and losses uh, this year. But um, honestly, I think that there's injuries that every team has to go through, so that's not the reason. And I, I always guard against saying World Series hangover, but I guess there might be something to it.
6: All right, well, uh, last night felt like, felt like two years ago, right? Two years ago was all the comeback wins. Uh, you put four on the board against uh, Edwin Diaz to come back for a huge win late into the night. What were your thoughts, honest opinion, going into the ninth inning? You're down a couple of runs. Uh, what were your thoughts and the likelihood that like you're like, this thing's over?
9: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know what, it turned, I think it was in the seventh inning. I think uh, I was getting ready to take uh, Justin Turner out of the game. Uh, just to get him off his legs, and we were down five at that point. He got a two-out base hit, uh, drove in a run, and then I kept him in the game. And then so you get to the uh, to the ninth inning, and uh, with Edwin Diaz, he's actually been used a lot lately as uh, workload. But this guy's still throwing ninety-eight, ninety-nine miles an hour. So it was a tall, tall uh, order, tall task. But then that Jock Peterson at bat that he put put on was pretty impressive, and taking some balls down below the zone and got a ball out over, rode it out, hit a homer, and then I was like, we might be able to do something special. At worst case, just kind of stress him a little bit so he'd be down for tonight's game. And then you see what Max Muncy did, and it's just right then at that point in time, after Max Summer, I thought we are going to get him.
6: You know, it's, the, the jock thing's incredible, right? Like, th- there was some there was some thought at at a point last year that you guys had kind of moved on from jock. You're like, you yeah, know, we got to go in the outfielders. Let's kind of move on. And, and yet here he is, he's already got 16 home runs on the year. Um, and he just, he just, he just battles, um, kind of impressive, like his own personal fortitude to, to stay in this thing and to have this start.
9: Absolutely. And I think that Jock uh, you know, is hard on himself. Uh, like most great baseball players are athletes and, and expects a lot. And, um, He's really, I mean, he's playing all-star caliber baseball right now, Doug, really. And uh, you look at the homers, uh, OPS is a stat that I value on base plus slug. And uh, just the competitive at that he's having, every at-bat seems to be quality. And he's staying in the strike zone, uh, hitting velocity, getting on base for us, playing a really good left field for us. And uh, he, he's a big part of what we're doing. And it feels good to run him, at, run him there at the top of the order.
6: Okay, the OPS of Cody Bellinger is 1.224. I mean, it's and obviously he he wasn't going to hit home runs at the rate he was hitting early in the year but he's on base you know, 464 is is his is, is on-base percentage i mean it's what is it as simple as he wanted to play every day what what has changed so much with Cody Bellinger
9: well no i i think that there's a little bit of you know when you have some struggles uh, there's an opportunity for growth and i think that you look at the the last couple of post seasons, and even last year at the start of the season, where uh, he wasn't swinging the bat well, wasn't synced up mechanically, and so he took to our new hitting guy, uh, hitting guys, and just really uh, was open to getting better. And so you're talking about approach, mechanics, all that stuff, and and now it's a commitment to to be consistent with how you prepare each night. And so to Cody's credit. We want him to be an everyday player. I mean, that was our goal, you know, because we see the talent and what he can do defensively. So now you still have to go up there and perform, and he's really taking that challenge and, and run with it.
6: Doug Gottlieb show on Fox Sports Radio. Dave Roberts is our guest. Um, scary. You've seen this before at Dodger Stadium, obviously. Uh, and a scary incident in Houston last night where a little girl got hit uh, by, by a foul ball. Do, do we have to extend the nets more? Um, do we have to and we were discussing this before you joined us, like do you have to almost do the emergency row discussion, right? Where you'd, hey, if you're going to sit in this section, you have to know that flying objects can come at you. What what, what, what can be done? Because fans, their favorite part is to catch a foul ball. On the other hand, that comes, and and it's a family sport, right? It's a family, you want to bring your kids to a game. How, how do you navigate those waters if somebody asked the, the, the manager of the L.A. Dodgers?
9: Yeah, I, I think for me, and, and Doug, um, I heard about it, Um, I read about it I didn't see the video I just didn't have the heart or the stomach to to put eyes on it Um, you know I know I'm more obviously very emotional and understandably so Uh, for me to your question I I do think that the net should be extended in every ballpark Um, I think that you look at the most premium the premium seats uh, at a major league ballpark there's a screen um, and those are the ones behind home plate so that's You know, 10 pitches in, you don't even notice the screens there. And to your point about it's a family event, people are talking, chatting at young kids, and they just can't appreciate the speed of the game. And so uh, just to put them in harm's way or to increase any or decrease any chance of of injury, um, I'm I'm all in favor. And you can still get a pop-up foul ball, the ball that has some air under it. Um, So... I know that Major League Baseball is going to look long and hard, and we've made adjustments over the last couple of years as far as putting in the nets. But I do think extending them makes a lot of sense.
6: All right, let me ask you about a couple of your pitchers. Uh, Walker Buehler wasn't great last night. Got hit. Did, did he have better? Did he have better stuff than the results would tell you, or was something off?
9: I don't think that he was on. I, I think the stuff when you're looking at the radar gun and some characteristics of the breaking ball. Um that stuff, but as far as command that Walker uh we expect from Walker, he expects himself wasn't there. Uh you're talking about fastball command, that the bite, sharpness of the break and stuff, the change up in the strike zone, then out, bottoming out, it just wasn't there. Um so he's still grinding and he was one pitch away from really putting up a quality outing. Um and even with the lack of command that he had uh Alonzo, this young player who this is the first time we've seen him. Yeah. Really physical guy. You know, he was victim of two Alonzo homers. So um outside of that, he, he competed, battled and uh, the line score certainly uh, you know didn't reflect the stuff but the command it definitely did.
6: Yeah, it's interesting because my son and I were watching the game, um and he's like he's a ten year old left handed pitcher and I was telling him you know, Walker Bueller's their their best pitcher now, although you got Ryu going who's been your best pitcher so far this year. Um And, and he was, why is he throwing so much, you know, so much off-speed stuff early in the game? And I said, well, I think, I think he's missing with his fastball more than, more than he wants. yeah I mentioned Ryu, he has been unbelievable this year. What, what adjustments has he made?
9: Yeah. Well, I, I think that the last couple of years, uh, he, he's had a healthy winter where he wasn't in rehab mode. And so he got to break camp healthy as a regular player. And last year he was off to a great start as well. Then he had the groin injury and came back and pitched well for us in the end of the season. And this year again, just going into the, the winter and and coming into the spring, just feeling healthy and active participant, regular participant. And now you layer in the feel uh, of the four pitches, the confidence that he has, being healthy. Uh, and uh, Hunjin is an outlier now. You're talking about stuff and looking at the radar gun after every pitch, where this guy's going to pitch at ninety, ninety-one, and command all quadrants, work the hitter front to back. So he's really fun to watch and just kind of a tech tactician, you know, on the mound and take these aggressive Mets hitters. It's going to be a fun one tonight.
6: Yeah. He's, he's basically, he should be an all-star, but do you want him to be an all-star Like, right? right. You mentioned how health is so important. Like you want your guy to be rep- you want your guy to be rewarded, but do you want your guy to actually go and do that instead of taking the time off?
9: I do, I do, and I think that that's a debate, certainly. And I think if you're looking at just as a, you know, the manager of the Dodgers, the rest was is nice. But part of it also is that these guys work hard to get team accolades and championships, but also the individual, also notoriety. That's a feather in their cap as well. So uh, for him to represent the Dodgers himself, his family, I think that it, you know, Korea, you know, a country, a, a fan base, uh, I think that'd be a great moment for him.
6: Still fun on those comeback wins. When you win on a walk off, is that still does it still have the same exhilaration? Like like, look, you played in bigger games that mattered more, even against obviously uh, uh, even even against the Mets that mattered more. Still, 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 as much fun as it used to be.
9: Absolutely, those those walk off wins never get old. Uh, you know, I can only take so many of those. I, I like to just uh, you know not have to hit in the ninth inning at home, but uh, that's okay.
6: Yeah. Well, it was a good one last night. Best of luck tonight. Uh, at Chavez Ravine, thanks so much for joining us on Fox Sports Radio, Dave. All right, Doug. Take it easy. That's the best. Dave, Dave Roberts joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. He- Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific.
4: If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty, Sports Scandals.
2: start listening.
6: The Houston Rockets essentially fired all their assistants, right? And so it was almost one of those deals to where, wait, are they trying to they trying to get Mike Dantoni to leave? D- this is fascinating what's taking place here. Fascinating. Uh in that, you know, here's Dantoni who, you know, he, he's he's never been in an NBA finals. Uh but he's had incredible regular season success in Phoenix. And in Houston and, you know, in Phoenix, you could say there were that one suspension of, you know, of what Boris Diaw and Amari Stoudemire away from taking down the Spurs, but they could never get past the Spurs. And now they can never get past the Warriors. And I, I just, and we've focused so much on the Lakers being a mess, but wow, what's going on in Houston? Right. Right. I mean, look, I I hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. If you can't beat the Golden State Warriors, forget about Game 7 on the road. Maybe you're tired. Forget about Game 7 at home last year when you don't have Chris Paul. Game 6 at home, there's no DeMarcus Cousins, there's no Kevin Durant, and you lead and you get outscored by 10 in the fourth quarter. If you can't beat them, then you're never going to beat them. You're just not a championship team. And this is, this is a team that has, that has said, that has said, we are obsessed with beating the warriors. They were put together for one purpose to beat the warriors. And even when the warriors are down their best player, you still can't beat them. Like that doesn't make any sense. I, or the, the sense that it makes to Tillman Fertitta is like, hey, we're obsessed and we're gonna heads are going to roll. And Mike D'Antoni clearly did not like whatever tone of contract extension. And by the way, D'Antoni kind of put it out there like he wanted to kind of, I want to coach three more years, whatever. They're like, hmm. So what happens now? The, the problem with doing this is What is your next option? Who is out there? You know, who is out there? Who can coach James Harden? Can operate within the confines of what Daryl Morey wants to do? Like, the idea that there is an answer out there for them.
4: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com.
7: I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Do you
8: love Selena?
7: Like, really love?
8: Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano.
2: to start
6: listening Tom Habistro is an NBA insider for NBC Sports you follow him on Twitter I do at Tom Haberstroh. that's H-A-B-E-R-S-T-R-O-H check out his latest piece Steph Curry's chase for perfection in the wide world of shot analytics Um, you had you had a number was what 25.6 is that right 25.4, 25.4, you, you
0: just—you almost had it, and the more important thing, Doug, is that you nailed my last name, the spelling of it, so I don't really mind.
6: All right. Yeah. Um, for people who don't know what 25.4 is, what is it in regards to Steph Curry?
0: That is his scoring average in the NBA Finals over his career, uh, and the only guy who's ever scored or averaged over 20 points a game in the finals without a finals MVP and multiple championships is Dave Cowan's Uh, with the Celtics there and there's just not really a precedent for a guy playing this well in the finals without a finals MVP and I think a lot of the narrative around Steph Curry is that he craters in the finals uh, because of what happened in 2016 but overall his numbers are incredible Uh, you look at it 25.4 points per game that's better than Dirk Nowitzki's. that's better than Kobe Bryant better than Dwayne Wade better than Kareem better than Larry Bird in the NBA finals but um you know, you, you get caught up in the noise around Steph Curry and his performance in the finals. You would have thought he's chopped liver. But the only guys who have ever averaged 25-6-6 six and six in the finals, like Steph Curry, is Michael Jordan and LeBron James. That's pretty good company, Doug.
6: It, it is pretty good company. But if we, if we look back, the first time they're in the finals, um, great game one where Kyrie was playing well, he gets hurt. They win in overtime. And then Delhi gave him trouble. You know, there was thought Delhi was too physical. He was people thought he was dirty. But Delhi gave him trouble for a couple games. Y- you and then of course, you know, you mentioned 2016. And then when he had Durant, the first couple of games, he hasn't put up nearly the numbers or been nearly as efficient as he traditionally is. Uh how do you uh yeah, how do you explain that? Like I get the gross stats and I get there have been some explosive games. But it does feel like early in NBA Finals Series, he struggled to adjust a little bit.
0: yeah, totally. I think his his percentages go from insane to uh, you know normal for a star player. You know his efficiency numbers are uh, not not what it used to be in the regular season, but I think a lot of that uh, is is attributed to you know he's passing out of those double teams and he's making place for other guys, and that hurts his scoring averages, that hurts his. Uh, you know, efficiency when they're throwing two guys at him every time and he's going to make that pass. Um, so on the times that he does shoot, he's being double teamed. And, and, you know, this is Steph Curry. He's, he has set the bar for himself where he makes 400 three pointers in a regular season and anything below that, uh, you know, he's going to be judged harshly. I think a lot of people would have voted for, uh, Steph Curry and I know multiple people did vote for Steph Curry as the finals MVP in 2015 over Andre Iguodala. Um, but I, I think that this is his time. I think this is his time to prove that he can win a finals MVP. You know, Kevin Durant is injured. He might not play in this series, or at least if he does play, he will be limited. And against the Toronto Raptors, they don't have an elite, elite defender, uh, to guard him 48 minutes out of the game. So I think it's going to be an interesting series for Steph Curry because he does have that demon, you know, that thing that's chasing him that he hasn't won a finals MVP. And as you correctly point out, he's had some tough games. But he's also had some really good games in the finals. And I think those numbers, twenty-five, six, and six six, speak to that.
6: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, look, I I, I, I agree with most everything you said. It should be pointed out that even with those great games, you know, for example this year, forty seven forty four percent three point shooter, thirty nine percent, it's that the percentages go down and we're we're so accustomed to the shots going in as they did at the end of the Houston series. Uh, and 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 in so many big moments in the Portland series that we we, do, we when we look at the, the at the the stats are a little bit lower, uh, which are still ridiculous in comparison to most other people, and that's what we we struggled to adjust to. Tom Havestro joined us on the Doug Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Um, what about the pushback to the analytics crowd with the reemergence of the mid-range game in the playoffs? It's like, well, look, sure, Kawhi can hit a three now. But he's a mid-range guy, and all those analytics guys can 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 chew on that for a second.
0: I, I don't think analytics guys would argue with the fact that Kawhi Leonard shooting mid-range shots is a, is a bad idea. That is a great idea. Um, you know, the percentages on average across the league, it's a bad shot. But of course, there are some anomalies to that. Kevin Durant is an excellent mid-range shooter. Clay Thompson, excellent mid-range shooter. Kawhi Leonard, excellent. Mid-range shooter, and I think the interesting thing here is, a lot of the guys like Chris Paul when they go to Houston, he's still an elite, uh, an efficient shooter in the mid-range. You know, if you're shooting fifty percent from the mid-range, that's a good shot. It's just that the mo- the more often you look at the rest of the league, you find out that they're shooting thirty thirty-five percent in the mid-range at a high volume, and you know as well as anybody, Doug, like you don't get fouled on those mid-range jumpers. You don't. It, you're, you're often shying away from contact, doing fadeaways. And so it's not so much about the fact that you have a low field goal percentage. It's also that you never get to the line. And, it, and you don't get, if you get fouled on that jumper, Doug, you're not going to the line for three. And that's, I think that's another thing in this conversation is when you look at Steph Curry and James Harden and these guys who are amazing three-point shooters, a lot of it is also the ability to draw a foul on those shots, however ugly it is. Uh, You know, when you're watching the game, there is that added value there that you don't get in the mid-range a lot. So I think Kawhi Leonard, Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson, those guys can shoot in the mid-range all day. But don't forget, they're just as efficient and more efficient from three-point land. And I think that's smart is to take a lot of those three-pointers and keep those mid-range jumpers to a minimum compared to three-pointers just because you get more points, you get more fouls, and it's better for your offense.
6: Yeah. Uh, Tom Havistro joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. I'm sure you've heard this news out of Houston. Like, first, you know, Tillman Fertitta, after the game, you know, basically said it was unacceptable after they lost game six. And then you see that Houston gets rid of their assistant coaches. Then yesterday, we read that Houston has basically said, hey, if you make us an offer, you can pretty much have anybody with the exception maybe of James Harden. I mean, who wouldn't want them to take. That Chris Paul contract off their chest or uh, off their off their books, or maybe the Clint Capella contract off their books, but still considering their success the past couple years, and the, the idea that there's going to be a breakup of some sort in Golden a, and Golden State, surprising. Then today, contract extension talks ended between um, between the Rockets and Mike D'Antoni. What do you make of what's going on in Houston?
0: it's hard not to read this as a new owner syndrome. You know, you buy the team and you want to make it your team and kind of uh, redo everything in your image and your ideal. Um, And I think this is one of those instances where Mike D'Antoni has proven he got a Coach of the Year award. Uh, He won more games than anybody just a year ago. Um, And the problem is they ran into the Golden State Warriors train. That happens to a lot of teams. They've broken up a lot of teams and that's not a testament to a poorly run front office or a poorly coached team. I think it's just that this is an all time great dynasty. We're watching the Golden State Warriors with the highest win percentage over a five year span of any team since the sixties Celtics. So like this is a once in, you know, a fifty year, a half century team and you don't have to destruct everything. You don't have to completely tear it down. And it seems like this is an overreaction to what was, you know, a competitive series and a heartbreaking loss. You watched him, the sidelines uh, next to Jay-Z and Beyonce watching game six. I, I have a feeling that there might be just uh, too many raw emotions here, Doug, where it just was such a dramatic loss. The fact that they cratered there at the end in game six, you've got to wonder if this is just an emotional uh, response to the end of the season. I think Mike D'Antoni is an excellent coach, an elite coach, and I think he'll be scooped up right away if the if the Rockets decide to part ways. It's a shocking development in the last couple of
6: weeks. Yeah, I I I I get it. Like right, and and analytics has no emotion, right? It's like, hey, we don't have emotion. This is the numbers, and it's it's interesting. The numbers got – and Houston's been, but but I, I do understand. Here's the two points of the Houston. I understand. They have said openly, said Domoy said we are. Uh, what what was what was the term they were using? Um, th- they're basically hyper focused on one team, beating one team, and that's the Golden State Warriors. They couldn't do it when the Warriors are down two starters, and then you know I, I, I frankly think that losing at home again is extra embarrassing, right? Like it's one thing to lose; anybody can lose Game Seven, but to lose again at home, this is like four years in a row. That that, and then I don't think they did themselves any uh, any favors. With not just the league, but especially their owner, when uh, when they had the analytics department go back and review Game Seven and the missed calls, like I get it, you felt like you got screwed, but the timing and releasing of that report, like that just, like he's a results guy, and you're telling us, yeah, those are the results, but here's what really happened, and I think he's had enough. I, I I do agree it's new owner syndrome, but I think that's the logic behind it.
0: Yeah, and I, I think that analytics report or the referee report that they sent in, a lot of teams do that kind of stuff. A lot of teams do that analysis. I mean, if, if, if fans knew how often teams submit referee complaints to the league office and what they think is wrong or how, how they've been, you know, wronged by referees, I don't think fans would like the game anymore because th- this is teams, they're trying to get an edge anywhere they can. So the fact that the, the actual analysis was done. I don't think is a huge deal. This happens all the time in the NBA circles from what I know, but the thing that that happened and what's different is they leaked it. They leaked it to the press. And that's the thing that it strikes up a lot of, you know, uh, you know, a a complex for, for the Rockets where, you know, that they've been screwed out of winning a championship. And I think that's the issue with leaking it to the press, I think is a bad look for the organization. I don't know where it came from directly, um, but I think that's not a good look. And I, I, I would, I would hold back on the whole analytics thing that the Rockets are too analytically focused. And that's the reason for their demise. Mike D'Antoni is a huge proponent of, of taking threes over mid-range twos. That's not from Daryl Morey. That's, that's from Mike D'Antoni sure. back, way back with the Phoenix Suns.
6: Yeah. Um, all right, last thing. Do you believe that the Warriors are better without Steph, without Kevin Durant?
0: Not without Steph Curry, no. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, Kevin Durant. It's so it's so interesting from what you hear with Draymond Green and Steph Curry. They're saying all the things that point to yes, they're better without Kevin Durant. Like Draymond Green said it to, uh, today or yesterday in his press conference. It was yesterday actually. He was like, "Yeah, we play with more fire. We play w- with more speed, with more pace. I score more, and yes, we have more fun." when we play without Kevin Durant, Um, are they better? The numbers say they, they might be uh, definitely defensively. They lock in a lot more defensively. It might be complacency. Uh, They're still really good with both, both guys. They're still really good with one of those guys, Steph Curry versus uh, Kevin Durant. I would say that 31 and one is too much of a number 31 and one with Steph Curry in the lineup and Kevin Durant out of the lineup uh, to say that you know this isn't something real. We've played basketball before, Doug. You know how it is. It's a team sport. Chemistry matters, and I think Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, and Steph Curry just simply play better and more aggressive without Kevin Durant. It's no diss to Kevin Durant. It's just they play much better and more aggressive.
6: Is, isn't it though? Doesn't it say more about their replacements? Like Quinn Cook was a G League guy, right? And that's who replaces Steph Curry when he's out as opposed to whether it's Andrew Gadala has replaced him in the starting lineups, or recently now Kevon Looney has replaced him and it may, brings a big guy on the floor D- doesn't on at least some level, in addition to the emotion and the fact the ball moves and there's fun and it's doesn't on some level, it, it point out the inadequacies. And then, you know, like, look, if you have Quinn cook, who's even behind Quinn cook when when he's not yeah. in, when you don't have Steph Curry.
0: Yeah. Well, the, the thing is, is, Draymond Green is really the point guard on right, that team. Right. <laughs> you know, and I think a lot of the ball handling duties fall onto him uh and Clay Thompson. But but your point is sound, is that the backups have just as much to do with that that record as anything. And Kevin Durant Look, he's, he's potentially a great defender. When he wants to when be, he wants he's a great defender. Yeah. But I think without him, they lock in defensively. He's never been a defensive player of the year. He's never been on the all-defense team, and I think that's the big difference is they lock in defensively without Kevin Durant for whatever reason.
6: Tom Habistro, Check out his work on Twitter, at Tom Habistro. I told you how to spell it once before. And check out his latest piece, <laughs> Steph Curry's Chase for Perfection and the wild, wild World of Shot Analytics. Tom, great stuff as always. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Doug.